0: Hello and welcome again to the Radio Gaga podcast. I'm your host Justine Pajowski and today we are getting into the Halloween mood with a production profile on one of history's most prolific film composers, Bernard Herrmann. My main source for today's episode was the Bernard Herrmann Society and their website, bernardhermann.org. I also referenced the Bernard Herrmann Estate, American Music Preservation, and the BBC. American composer Bernard Herrmann is most remembered for his film scores, many of which you'll find me watching during spooky season every year. Herman's collaborations with directors like Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, and Rod Serling resulted in some of radio, film, and TV's most suspenseful music, from the shower scene in Hitchcock's Psycho, to that episode of The Twilight Zone with the people who look like pigs. What made Herman's music work so well was a combination of things— First, he was a master at evoking dramatic tension using new, unique instrumentation, a combination of instruments, rhythms, and patterns that hadn't been heard before in film. We'll get into a couple examples of that in this episode. Secondly, Herman's work in film was so groundbreaking because he was able to not only make the audience feel a certain way during a scene, but also develop characters with his music in ways that the actual picture and script could not. We'll get into a few examples of this as well. Herman also composed film scores outside of thrillers and scary movies. His first job in film was scoring Citizen Kane, and his last would be for the Robert De Niro film Taxi Driver. We'll get into those and more in this episode. The anticipation and suspense Herman created with his music added a layer to motion pictures that has been adapted and inspired over the decades by numerous composers and producers. We'll talk about how Danny Elfman, Beatles producer George Martin, and others have incorporated Herman's vision into their own work. With that, let's get into the history of Bernard Herman. Bernard Herman was born Max Herman in New York City in 1911. He fell in love with music at an early age and would go on to study conducting and composition at New York University and Juilliard. At the age of 22, he made his first major public appearance as a conductor and became part of Aaron Copland's professional collective, The Young Composers Group. It was when Herman was hired at CBS in 1934 that he was first exposed to the world of radio broadcasting. He started out as a staff conductor, but quickly rose to the rank of Chief Conductor of the CBS Symphony Orchestra. That meant Herman was responsible for choosing and conducting the music that would be broadcast during radio programs like Invitation to Music on CBS Radio. Herman was able to champion work by little-known composers he personally loved, like Charles Ives and Richard Arnell, so that American audiences might hear rare pieces they wouldn't hear in a concert hall. Herman and his first wife, Lucille Fletcher, teamed up at CBS. Herman, an aspiring composer, and Fletcher, an aspiring radio script writer. They worked together on a number of broadcast presentations, including the 1941 broadcast of Fletcher's original story, The Hitchhiker. I saw him again. It's
1: on the new Pennsylvania turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels. When I saw him standing under an arc light by the side of the road, I'd seen quite distinctly the bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain scattered over his shoulders. He hallooed at me this time. Hello! Hello! I stepped on the gas like a shot. It's lonely country through the Alleghenies and I had no intention of stopping.
0: It was at CBS where Bernard Herrmann met Orson Welles. Herrmann scored Welles' radio anthology series, The Mercury Theater on the Air. This was the platform where Welles directed and narrated a radio adaptation of the H.G. Wells novel, The War of the Worlds. This one-hour show caused panic the evening before Halloween 1938, and though Herman was not credited with scoring it, he did conduct the orchestra in the live performance of the music.
1: The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Ladies and gentlemen, the director of the Mercury Theater and star of these broadcasts, Orson Welles. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, and yet as mortal as his own.
0: With one successful partnership under their belts, Herman and Welles decided to keep working together. Herman created the music for The Orson Welles Show, for the feature film Jane Eyre, starring Orson Welles, and more. Perhaps most famously, Herman scored what many consider the greatest film ever made, Orson Welles' 1941 drama Citizen Kane. said that Herman's score for Citizen Kane accounted for 50% of the film's success. The music incorporated so many different styles and elements to help tell the story of Charles Foster Kane. There are many subtle musical cues that help the viewer through all the psychological nuance of this film, but only in places where it was needed and where it would achieve the maximum effect. As noted by American Music Preservation, one of the most effective examples of Herman's Citizen Kane score is the breakfast montage. In this key sequence in the movie, Charles Foster Kane and his wife Emily advance through the years of their marriage in just minutes of film time. For this scene, Herman begins with a graceful waltz theme, then slowly introduces variations into the theme. These variations grow darker and darker, creating a cue for us that Cain is growing harsher and more arrogant, and the marriage is deteriorating.
1: i have even been left this late. It's just a matter of habit. I wonder what the servants will think. They'll think we enjoyed ourselves. Yes. Didn't we? I don't see why you have to go straight after the newspaper. You never should have married a newspaper man. They're worse than sailors. I absolutely adore you. Oh, Charles, even newspaper men have to sleep. I'll call Mr. Bernstein, have him put up my appointments until noon. What time is it? Oh, I don't know. It's late. It's early. Charles, do you know how long you kept me waiting last night while you went to the newspaper for ten minutes? What do you do in a newspaper in the middle of the night, Emily, my dear? Your only correspondent is the Inquirer. Sometimes I think I'd prefer a rival of flesh and blood. Oh, Emily, I don't spend that much time on the newspaper. It isn't just the time. It's what you print, attacking the president. You mean Uncle John? I mean the president of the United States. He's still Uncle John. He's still a well-meaning fathead who's letting a pack of high-pressure crooks run his administration. This whole oil scandal. He happens to be the president, Charles, not you. That's a mistake that will be corrected one of these days. Mr. Bernstein sent Junior the most incredible atrocity yesterday, Charles. I simply can't have it in the nursery. Mr. Bernstein is apt to pay a visit to the nursery now and then. Does he have to? Yes.
0: Really, Charles? People will think...
1: What I tell them to think.
0: It's elements like this that gave Herman his reputation. His work served to add to the story, an idea that not many directors had caught onto at this point. But slowly, they would. And one in particular was about to make Bernard Herman his go-to guy. By 1951, CBS was forced to shut down the radio orchestra. But for Herman, it was no matter. He was already on his way to Hollywood to work on more films. It was there that he collaborated with a number of different directors, but none quite as important as Alfred Hitchcock. From 1955's The Trouble with Harry to 1964's Marnie, Bernard Herrmann was the composer of choice for The Master of Suspense. Herrmann liked working with Hitchcock because he was a director who truly understood the importance and the power of a film's score. Herrmann insisted he have the final say, no matter what, or he would drop the project completely. And besides maybe a few words exchanged between the two of them, Hitchcock agreed and gave Herman the power to transform his films through music. One of the first they collaborated on together was Vertigo, which released in 1958. We begin with the deep, dark brass and swirling strings of the opener Prelude. So spooky. Jimmy Stewart plays the main character, Scotty Ferguson, who is deathly afraid of heights. While Hitchcock was able to convey this visually with his famous zoom-in backtrack shot, were made even dizzier by the accompaniment. Herman's disorienting harp glissando and jolting chords serve as a fitting background to Ferguson's acrophobia. In 1959's North by Northwest, we start out with Herman's iconic Overture, a symphonic masterpiece which sets us up for the dizzying story about to unfold. just as important as the moments with sound were the moments without. North by Northwest is a great example of Herman's ability to use silence to his advantage. Like in the iconic sequence where Roger Thornhill, played by Cary Grant, is chased down by a biplane. From the slow burn and build-up to the tense finish, that scene has no music whatsoever. Perhaps one of Bernard Herrmann's most enduring musical legacies comes in the form of the 1960 Hitchcock film, Psycho. Inspired by the real-life crimes of serial killer Ed Gein, Psycho would have become a throwaway one-hour TV special had it not been for Bernard Herrmann. Hitchcock decided in post-production that he actually didn't like Psycho at all, that his film had not portrayed the story like he wanted it. Herman sent Hitchcock away on holiday break and told him that when he got back, the score would be ready and he could reassess the situation. Hitchcock's only request before he left was for Herman not to score the shower scene. He told him, quote, Please write nothing for the murder in the shower. That must be without music. And we all know how that went. In direct defiance of Hitchcock's order, Herman composed a piece for string orchestra that would become some of the most famous bars of music in film history. Because the crew was working on such a modest budget for Psycho, Herman limited the orchestra to strings alone. That includes the piece for the shower sequence. It's just strings. But the limited resources didn't limit Herman's ability to create the ominous, nervous mood that the film required.
1: They know I can't even move a finger, and I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet, just in case they do suspect me they're probably watching me well let them let them see what kind of a person i am i'm not even gonna swat that fly i hope they are watching they'll see they'll see and they'll know and they'll say why she wouldn't even harm a fly
0: For the 1963 Hitchcock film, The Birds, Herman served not as composer, but sound consultant. The film doesn't have a conventional score, but instead, Herman worked with German musicians Oscar Sala and Remy Gassman, who were experts on the electroacoustic instrument, the tritonium. It was on this instrument that the team created the screeching of the birds and other sound manipulations for the film. Hitchcock and Herman went to West Berlin to work on the unique soundscape. If you watch the film again, you may notice, or like me you may not notice, that even some of the silent moments are electronically manipulated. Even though Herman did not compose music for the film, it was a bold oral experiment that paid off. the late 60s Hitchcock's health was failing and so was his patience for his musical partner unhappy with Herman's score for the 1966 cold war thriller torn curtain Hitchcock ended their 12-year relationship on the spot but Herman would return to the film industry with plenty of job offers that would continue rolling in throughout the years to follow Beyond his partnerships with Orson Welles and Alfred Hitchcock, Bernard Herman was involved in a number of other notable films and TV shows. One of those was the 1951 science fiction film The Day the Earth Stood Still, directed by Robert Wise and based on the short story Farewell to the Master by Harry Bates. In Herman's score for the film, he developed a wide range of unique sounds both by incorporating a variety of different instruments and writing musical advancements in the score that were never before heard in film. Most notably on the instrumental side, he incorporated a duet of theremins, an electronic instrument that reacts to the relative position of hands around two antennas. Herman's use of theremin in The Day the Earth Stood Still was one of the earliest on record for the theremin in film. You'll also hear overdubbing, tape reversal techniques, and in some instances, all the lowest and deepest instruments in the orchestra playing in unison, including the tuba, bass drum, and organs, that had never ever been heard in film before. And probably not very frequently in a symphony setting in general, I can't imagine. It's pretty scary. Another one of Herman's creepy and incredibly effective soundtracks was for the 1966 dystopian drama Fahrenheit 451, directed by Francois Truffaut and based on the novel by Ray Bradbury. my favorite of Bernard Herrmann's contributions to the broadcast world come in the form of the score to the TV show, The Twilight Zone. I've seen every episode of those first five seasons at least 10 times all the way through. My family always watches the Sci-Fi Network marathons together around the holidays. You can hear Bernard Herrmann's work sprinkled all throughout the five original seasons of the show, starting with the very first episode of The Twilight Zone titled, Where Is Everybody?, Herman's frantic score for this episode skillfully illustrates the main character's psychosis as he wanders in an Air Force flight suit around a completely empty town, devoid of any other human life. Another great episode that Herman scored was Eye of the Beholder. This is the one where the woman keeps getting surgery after surgery to fix her ugliness. Then when the doctors take the bandages off, we realize she's a beautiful woman, and all the doctors and everyone else around her look like pigs with sunken eyes. But in that world, the pig look is considered beautiful. I love this episode.
1: Needle, please. norm, a single approach, a single entity of people, a single
0: virtue, a single You can hear Herman's signature dissonance, sharp pops of brass, and heavy use of deep, low instruments in that chase scene.
1: It is essential in this society that we not only have a norm, but that we conform to that norm.
0: One other episode of Twilight Zone that Herman scored was Living Doll in the final season. I'm obsessed with this episode, in which a young girl gets a doll who seemingly comes to life to terrorize the girl's horrible father. The use of the bassoon was a mainstay throughout the Twilight Zone series, creating a sense of tension and creepiness that not many other instruments can accomplish. Herman took the living doll score to the next level with muddled piano, harp, and strings, conveying a playful yet twisted toyland that spirals through the end of the episode. My
1: name is Talkie Tina, and I'm beginning to hate you. straight and I'm going to get rid of you. You wouldn't dare. Huh? Wouldn't?
0: I? Annabelle would Bernard have- Herman also did the original theme song to Twilight Zone, not the one that we all know now, which was composed by Marius Constant, but the very first one. I think it's used just in season one. Sadly, after a short but illustrious career, Herman died an untimely death at the age of 64 from a heart attack in his sleep. He had just finished the scores for Taxi Driver and the 1976 film Obsession, directed by Brian De Palma. Both Martin Scorsese and De Palma dedicated their films to Herman's memory upon release. Before his death, Herman was on board to score Brian De Palma's next film, Carrie, and a number of others. But Taxi Driver would be his last. Many modern producers and composers have been inspired by Herman over the decades. Popular composer Danny Elfman's impressive resume includes The Simpsons theme song, multiple Tim Burton films, including The Nightmare Before Christmas. And, and award winning films like Big Fish and Goodwill Hunting. Elfman says he was first inspired to get into scoring film when he heard Bernard Herrmann's work for The Day the Earth Stood Still. Glimpses of Herrmann's music can be heard throughout Elfman's career, like in his score for Batman, which incorporates subtle nods to Herrmann's scores for Vertigo and Journey to the Center of the Earth. There's also Elfman's score for Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which directly references multiple Herman works, including Psycho. Beatles producer George Martin was well known for the orchestration he added to the Beatles' music. In his autobiography, Martin specifically cites Herman's influence on the Beatles' song Eleanor Rigby. Paul McCartney's idea to have the violin backing the song was a nod to Vivaldi. Then Martin took the strings to another level after he heard the score of Psycho. The tight, staccato strings are a direct reference and homage to Herman's suspenseful score.
1: Be. Picks up the rice in the church where a wedding is being lives in a dream, waits at the window, wearing the face that she keeps in a jar by the
0: door. Who is it Another more recent composer of the macabre who has been inspired by Bernard Herman is Christopher Young. Young has scored many modern horror films, including Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, a number of Scott Derrickson films including The Exorcism of Emily Rose and Sinister, and the first two films in the Grudge trilogy, directed by Takashi Shimizu. Herman was nominated five times for an Academy Award, winning once for the score of The Devil and Daniel Webster. Bernard Herrmann's scores for Psycho and Vertigo rank amongst the American Film Institute's 25 greatest film scores. His impressive list of film compositions continues to thrill audiences in the 21st century and continues to inspire future composers we haven't yet heard. Thank you for joining me today. If you like this episode and you want some more spookiness to listen to for halloween check out episode 52 on john carpenter episode 34 all about the theremin and episode 9 on backmasking where we dive into the creepy production technique that involves music played backward also follow me over at radio gaga podcast on instagram for updates and what else i'm listening to on the radio gaga podcast we're diving into the 1997 breakthrough record dig me out by riot girl legends slater kinney my friend phoebe riley returns as my guest again for this one where we talk about the band's origins their unique brand of feminism and carrie brownstein on portlandia give dig me out a listen and i'll see you back here next time